Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor. Hi, uh, road to growth listeners. Uh, today I have Paul Ross. He is uh, an author. He is a master hypnotist. He is a, a master practitioner of NLP. Neuro linguistic programming. Okay, if you don't know what NLP is, don't worry. You're you're not alone. Probably about I would say four or five years ago, I didn't know what it was, but it's definitely changed the way I look at things. Uh, it's a fantastic avenue right there. But thank you, Paul, for for being here, and thank you for uh, talking to us about your journey. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And before we begin this journey of learning and mentorship together, I'm not sure all the ways your listeners might stop and feel that growing excitement that comes when a great discovery is being made. But as it's taking place, I sure feel glad that I'm the person that can be able to share these amazing tools and strategies and concepts that really work. Well, I mean, this this podcast, I mean, is really for I mean, anyone looking to start a business, is thinking about starting a business, or is going through hurdles in building their business. And I know one thing, at least for, for my business, when I understood what NLP was, it changed the way I looked at things. Um, so anyone listening right here, I think this is this is the one of the the best podcasts to I think to be part of right here, just to understand how much your words make a difference when you're talking to someone. And to yourself. I yeah. might add your internal dialogue as well. So have you, so I know you have a, you're a master of many, you have the hypnotist, you have your practitioner, you're an author, you're a speaker. Yeah. You have a lot of hats that you, you wear. Yeah, I sure do. Have kind of walk us through a kind of, what do you do for on a daily basis or a weekly basis? That depends on who's writing the check. Okay, <laughs> well, I work with my I work with VIP clients. My I'm on a quite passionate mission to help people who are already kicking. Can I say uh, kicking butt? Kicking ass. There we go. Kicking ass. They're already kicking ass, and they're looking to crush their personal best, skyrocket their revenue, and if they're into it, crush their competition. Many of my clients are extremely competitive through the power of subconscious language. So a good portion of my day is spent doing the coaching, executive coaching with my clients. I like to spend a good portion of the day doing creative writing. I'm a highly creative person. So I'm always working on my next project, my next course, my next joint venture. I really, really, really love that bit. And then I'm an avid reader. I read a lot. And then I have my personal life, <laughs> which I don't want to get into. <laughs> no, fair enough. Well, maybe if we're lucky, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Well, maybe. I can. I'm excited. My ex is having a, she's my ex, so it's not mine, yeah. but my ex is about to have her first baby. I'm excited to be a great uncle and to spoil the baby, even oh, though, nice. yeah. So you, you keep in, in contact with your, your the ones who, the ones who can tolerate me and who truly <laughs> loved my oddness. Yes. <laughs> So, well, I mean, we're going to, we're going to get into your history, get into your, your story. I mean, this is a very, I think, at least for me, very interesting because I looked at NLP as something for my business, but also I realized over time it was something for my personal and for yourself, I mean, with your exes, did you find, or even your relationships, did you find basically 
how you <laughs> choose, have chosen your words. Did you it have help no idea. Uh, well, I, I'm going to spring a surprise on you uh, because I don't talk about it in my, I like to spring it on hosts. I am a former, I'm just going to come out with it, a, a semi-retired dating and seduction coach for men. Oh. So, uh, and I think using language to attract another person is the hardest sale of all. When you go for a date, you have to do your prospecting, right? You have to do your qualifying to see if someone's a good client. You have to create rapport. You have to do your sales presentation. You have to do your trial close, handle objections, and also get repeat business. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I've actually used this analogy many times. I've talked to people, you know, and it, it's it's so true. I think it, I, at least for, from my experience, I think men can relate more to the idea of sales than women can when they use it, at least from my experience. But I totally agree with you. It, it, it's it's truly sales. We're always trying to sell ourselves. And in those kind of situations, you have a short window of time to sell yourself and do the follow-up, dive deeper, and see if it's yeah. a good Yeah, and then fit. the other part is teaching these guys who are 30, 40, some of them even 50-year-old virgins, how do they get out of their own way, all that shame, all those bad memories. So they're not doing this internal tug of war. And this implies... One of my, um, I got to be careful not to make this sound too salesy, but one of my clients who started his own real estate syndication business, he does, he puts pools investors to buy very, very high priced properties. And then they share the revenue that comes in. He is, he feels like a, he has felt like a imposter and mm. excuse me he has challenges with his motivation. Like part of him is holding him back. Another part wants to move him forward. So it's the same thing. And I learned all my sales skills and my change work skills because I consider myself to be a learning change worker as well as a sales trainer. A lot of that came from coaching these guys who are 30, 40, 50 years old. And I figure if I can get them out of their own way, it's a piece of cake, relatively a piece of cake to help already competent people get out of their own way when it comes to building their businesses. Does that make sense? Well, what, uh, no, definitely. I mean, I think with anything, if you're, if you're basically quote unquote failing forward and being consistent with those failures, you know, either being a business or being a relationship, you start seeing a track record of it and you almost start skin yourself negative, uh, um, subconscious of saying this is not going to work out i'm not going to be able to sell this deal i'm not gonna be able to do this and you're almost working through those those hurdles right. now right yeah. so if i can give a gold nugget that i teach all of my clients that ends forever that self-defeatist dialogue can i drop that value bomb yeah please i teach them to use the words up until now so up until now i was not consistent with my outbound calls up until now, I was not consistent with my up, outbound calls. And now I claim my learning, my skills of my consistency. Does that make sense? So we separate it from who they are as a person. If they say, I'm just not a good caller, that makes it about who they are. We separate it from their identity, make it about their skills. We also take the negative thinking and we bind it in time. We say to the unconscious mind, because in any battle between the conscious and the unconscious, the unconscious is going to win. We say to the unconscious mind, okay, I understand there's been a problem. I'm not going to deny that problem with lots of positive affirmations. Those come later. 
I recognize there's been a problem. Thank you very much for motivating me. See you later. So we bind the problem in the past and we take it away from the person's sense of identity. Because for someone who's been doing hypnosis with people for 30 years, I can tell you it's very difficult to change someone's sense of identity. It's relatively easy to change their beliefs about what they can learn to do. This is the major and the major problem I see with sales trainings out there. There are real good ones out there. I'm not going to name them, but they're good ones. Not a one of them teaches how to learn from your mistakes. Not a one. Give you, they'll all say, just learn from every experience. But I haven't seen one that says, here's a specific methodology you can use to actually take that piece of advice and make it real for you. And I think acquiring that learning confidence is a missing piece. And I really, I, I don't mean to sound arrogant. I'm the only person who teaches it. And I only learned it through having to teach these guys who are really impeded uh, in their ability to stay enthusiastic and to learn from their mistakes. They would consistently repeat mistakes. So I had to learn this technique. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're, you're fine. I had to learn this technique of showing them how to remove the emotion from it and then just looking objectively at it. So my unique background gives me a unique set of insights and skills that I can map over in ways that people who are stuck in the wholesale's framework can't see. Have you always been um, very particular in the words you use and, and helping other people growing <laughs> up? Or? Okay, so my confession, I'm a language geek. Do okay. you remember in like the fourth or fifth grade where you had to do grammar and diagram sentences? Yes. I liked it so much that I didn't want to answer the recess bell. I wanted to sit in there and do more diagramming. The teacher had to kick me out. So I have always been a language geek. I've always been in love with language. I just have. I'm obsessive compulsive with the words I use. If I'm writing copy, I write all my own copy. I wrote the copy for the book. If I'm rewriting a VIP client scripts, because I've been known to do that on occasion, I will obsess for 15 minutes on the right word. So part of this is obsessive compulsive disorder, but it's not with touching things or needing to move things around. It's with words. I'm obsessed with getting my words precise. How did you, how did you come to the realization instead of maybe being an author, you wanted to be a coach? Was it through school? I've always been training. Well, I've always been a trainer. I trained these guys. So I've always been, a and I'm service-minded and impact-driven. So if I'm not in service to people or having an impact, I don't feel well, okay. literally. You, well, I mean, there's not, there. you haven't always been a trainer. There's a time you were probably in school, 15, high school, 16, right. high school. Right. And right. then, so when did you first start a training? What was that first experience? Of training people? Yeah, training people. <laughs> so <laughs> I did, uh, this was, again, teaching guys to meet women and the rest of it. That was 1991. I had written a book, the title of which I'm not going to say because that would offend too many people. But my business partner at the time, business partner at the time, said, well, you should do a seminar. I said, how am I going to do a seminar? What am I going to talk about for two or three hours? He said, you wrote the damn book. Just read from the book. And uh, my students taught me the kind of man, the kind of training I needed to teach them through the questions they asked. I think if you're really going to be good at anything, you have to really set aside the ego, the part of you that needs to be right, and really open yourself up to feedback. Okay. In, in 91 then, okay, you wrote the book about picking up women, but how old were you at that time? 
Uh, I was born in 1958, so... Um, okay, so you're in the 30s. Somewhere in yeah. 30s, right? okay. Mm-hmm. okay, now, earlier than that then, before you wrote that book... Right. Right? You... What were you doing at that time? I was a... Oh, I can't say the S word. I was a, a terrible comedy writer. I wrote okay. jokes for comedians, and I tried stand-up. I actually wrote a movie co-wrote a movie that got made but they took my name i begged them to take my name off the credits to this day i think it's still there on idmb or imdb uh and the movie got made three years later it's one of the worst movies ever made they still call me bruce now people say wait i've watched they call me bruce it's really funny no no they still call me bruce a sequel starring johnny yoon a korean comedian who's quite popular at the time and uh, I made the princely sum of $750 a week. I remember calling my mother and saying, Mom, I'll never have to worry about money again. Uh, and I could visually visualize in my mind her shaking my head, or shaking her head and thinking, what am I going to do with my son? <laughs> All right, so you're in your 20s. You're a, a comedy writer at that time. Right. Okay. Now – A bad – let's let's be clear, sir. A very bad comedy writer. <laughs> okay, so – how did you come to the realization that I mean that you were a bad comedy writer? Because when we, for most people, right, you, you think you're doing something good. You're you've already. Were really I had a good snappy moment. Have you okay. ever heard of the, the people said I just snapped? Yeah, I experienced that moment. I went. I got a call from the comedian, like two or three years later. He said the movie's playing. I went to this Cracker Box theater in Westwood, California, right near. It was a multiplex and the tiniest theater. There's maybe a couple of drunks and me and the minute that movie came on within five minutes i felt my desire to write just break i saw i felt like a rubber band snapping here in the center of my forehead and then i saw like a blinding flash of light i'm not messing with you and that was it i knew i had to quit okay you quit okay you quit you're in your 20s something you've been doing late for a 20s while. late okay. 20s late 20s now how do you find yourself again to say, okay, I need to find another path. How do I, I need to write a book now instead of comedy? I, I wrote the book, book because I had found through NLP. I fell in love with NLP in 1988, when I, okay. 87, when I first got exposed to it. And I fell in love with it because of the way it structured language. And I thought maybe this is a solution to my own problems with women because I was very socially awkward, had no emotional intelligence, and most importantly, couldn't communicate in a way, and this is important for sales too, that captures and leads the imagination and the emotions. I communicated in a way that was data-driven, facts, figures, numbers, which you salespeople are probably doing too much of. I talked about myself or I interrogated the woman. There's a difference between showing interest and asking interesting questions and interrogation. So needless to say, I got nowhere and I had to find a solution. And once I found the solution for myself, I thought, hey, hell with it. Let's write a book and make some money and help people. And that's what I did. How did you know that you were onto something? uh, Because I started getting women. (laughs) All right, so you you write the book with your your partner. You put it out. No, there. he didn't write it. He just helped me help me uh, process the orders, and we created okay. a catalog of products. Okay, so you, what, how was your your book at that time? Your dating book. How was it received? Well, 
<laughs> by whom? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the TV talk shows. I, I've built my business off about $600 and free publicity going on TV talk shows, which are mostly at that time, I don't know about nowadays, watched by women. I remember doing one show. It was an all-female audience, and the producer gave me that blank-eating grin and thought, ha-ha, here you go. I thought, no, no, I'm not trapped in here with them. They're trapped in here with me. And I ripped everyone apart on that show. It was great fun. And my philosophy was, well, most of the people watching home are female, but if there are a million men watching and with all these women screaming at me to shut up and calling me pig and the rest of it, the guys must be thinking, well, he must be onto something if all these women want to shut him up. That was my strategy. So I sold a damn site lot of books through free publicity where was that where was that confidence coming from i mean that has to be very i mean going into a, a hostile environment i've always been a talker i've always been incredibly cocky in front of a camera you put a camera on me and i don't care what shape i'm in i remember i had to give i was in denmark doing a talk in a seminar i, I made adult friends with this danish girl and so we went to belgium to do a show called Hudala. Hudala is like the Oprah of Belgium and the Netherlands and all those areas, surrounding areas. I had gotten no sleep in three nights. I'd gone three nights without sleeping because this girl and I really hit it off on a chemical fashion. And I was sitting there, I got maybe 15 minutes sleep, barely awake, like out of my body, I was so tired. But as soon as they sat me down in that chair and the camera went on, you couldn't tell uh, that I wasn't, uh, that I had not slept. I've always loved cameras. I'm a big ham bone. I love being the center of attention. And I'm smart. I'm much, my mother taught me, Paul, you're much smarter than 90% of the people out there. If they're saying one thing, they're probably wrong and they're probably stupid. Go after them. Now, that's not a good message to give your child if you want them to be emotionally well-developed and to make friends. But I took that on, at least in my persona. I have another persona. When I teach the dating and seduction stuff, I'm Ross Jeffries. This is not going to make me friends. A lot of people are going to Google that and go, what are you doing having that jerk off? On, oh, I can't say that. Having that no, jerk. You're fine. Having that jerk off on your show. But the fact of the matter is I created a subculture, changed thousands of lives. And I discovered things about persuasion and influence that no one else knows. I truly believe I know more about using language. Someone once said, um, Paul Ross knows more, not only knows more about how language affects the brain than anyone in the world, he knows more than probably anyone should know, which I thought was a great compliment. <laughs> No, we're because because when we first started, right? You you were basically a hypnotist, master hypnotist. I am uh, master. Oh, practice, I am. No, no, all that stuff. And I mean, it seems like you you originally started in kind of the dating world and giving advice. Did. When did that transition happen? Where you go? Okay, I need. So to around two thousand six. Okay. Around two thousand six, I was invited to give a talk on using NLP for sales. I thought wait a minute, let's just come up with something. And so I saw how it mapped over. I just saw it in my mind. I'm still working on it. I'm, I'm never sat, I'm, I'm satisfied, but I never think anything is perfect. And I always see the joy of improving things. So I gave a couple of talks on that. Subsequent, I gave some talks and then I started to get, excuse me, email from clients who would say, hey, I found my dream girl. Here's a picture of my wife. And by the way, I've been using your stuff for sales. I've tripled my sales. I thought, holy for holy, let's call these people, interrogate them, find out what they're doing. 
And that's when I started to go, I could teach sales, I could create sales courses. And that's how it came about. And now you had a kind of a subsection of your business, but for the dating one, it's under a different name, different author? Yeah. Okay. Did you, at, when you first started in the sales, did you have that same name or when did you switch over? I switched over because Paul Ross is my real name, but I yeah. did about three years ago. I did a talk for a bunch of realtors out in Florida under my pen name, Ross Jeffries. And when some Yenta <laughs> looked me up and said, we can't sponsor this man. He's a misogynist pig. And so they pulled out of the sponsorship. I still got my check, but they took their name off the whole thing. I figured I'm going to have trouble doing it this way. Let's, let's take my name, change my name to who I really, I mean, Paul Ross is my true identity. Although my court appointed therapist said, no, that's a joke. <laughs> court appointed therapist. Maybe you're Ross. Who knows? My, my last girlfriend who's having the baby said, um, oh, I like, oh, you're being Ross now. Oh, now you're being Paul. I like Paul, but I don't like, I love Paul, but I don't like Ross. <laughs> I like them both. They're necessary. Do you, do you still be, um, do seminars and, and events under Ross Jeffries? I haven't in a long time, but I'm doing one in San Diego. You should come as my guest. Okay. Uh, September 17th, 18th, and 19th. I haven't done one in three and a half years, but I've missed doing it. So I'm going to pop out of retirement and just do that quick one. I have many more opportunities for sales and coaching that way. With with um, Ross Jeffries, right, in that, in that position where you're doing the dating, that's a very polarizing figure and yep. you can go, you can go on a camera. Like you said, yep. right. You have half the people hate you have to be able to love you yep. in the, in the hypnotist and the practitioner and that kind of field. It's, it's not really polarizing. It's basically, you it are is polarizing. You are. Oh, it is. I am who I am, but it's polarizing in the sense that I'm saying that most of traditional sales as it's taught is incomplete. And some of it has become antiquated. And that what I'm doing is either a fantastic boost to what you're already doing. If you have a sales process that's already working, if you're not using the power of subconscious languaging, then you're leaving a tremendous amount of money on the table and you're doing far too much work. Because the subconscious or unconscious, I use the terms interchangeably, being a hypnotist, are where the real decisions are made. So also my definitions of sales are so radically different. They're batshit crazy quite frankly, but it's the very ways of thinking, feeling, responding that stand so far outside of what you're doing that bear the potential of bringing you results that are like ridiculously further far out from what you're used to enjoying. Do you find there's a difference in how you market yourself and get clients in both fields? Pretty profoundly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, like, you're enjoying this, aren't you? This is really grabbing your attention. Well, no, I mean, I think the idea of because the polarizing avenue, of, especially I mean, when you're, you're talking about social media, right? You put a polarizing idea out there, you're going to get a lot of clicks. You're going to get a lot of clicks, a lot of shares. Sure. Right? When you're putting it, I, I basically do this avenue better, like a coach. Right? Yeah. There's a lot of coaches out there that believe that they do the product better. Yet you have to basically scream to your blue in the face. Find a kind of avenue. You know, if you're screaming, wanted. if you're screaming to your blue in the face, you're not using the right, you're not using the right mechanisms and procedures. See, I'm not looking to get everybody uh, to hire me because I genuinely uh, look working with these bless their hearts. These poor damaged guys. Most of them are damaged. Some are not. Yeah. Some are just out of a divorce, and they're uh, 
back in the dating game and they don't know what they're doing. So bless their souls. But I don't need to do emotional healing or do any of that stuff with the people who I'm teaching on the sales side. I just need to say, look, what I'm doing is going to benefit you. Here's why. Here's why you're going to lose out how you're leaving money on the table, even though your current sales process may be working for you. It no longer is going to work the way it used to, or it's giving you diminishing returns. And here's why. Here's what you can do to get exponential returns instead. And you will never get one thing. You will never get exponential improvement in your returns if you just do what you have been successful doing. Success is its own trap. Well, how do you get those at bats? How do you get those that ability to have that conversation to close that deal for your for I do, you or seminars? I do a lot of podcasts now that um, speaking engagements are starting again. I do speaking engagements. I also do joint ventures with people. I'm joint venturing soon with someone who's an expert in interrogation, a frightening expert uh, who's written some stuff on interrogation and using hypnosis to actually create Manchurian candidates uh, and hypnotic alters. And he, he I, do, I joint venture, I'm going to joint venture with him. We haven't yet. That sounds like a, a definitely a good. So I would say play. podcasts, speaking, and joint ventures with other people. I tend not to. I don't want to do social media. I don't have the patience for it. It's very hard to take, you know, something sophisticated and cut it down to little tiny chunks. It's, yeah. it's nearly impossible. I can't dumb it down or shorten it that way. What do you think has been the most difficult thing for for your business to expand and grow and? Has there been one hurdle? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, with the seduction pickup side, I can't scale myself. There's only one of me. My ability to present and to understand their problems and to teach the way I teach, you can't replicate it. There are people in that business who made tens of millions of dollars because their business model is you take a student who graduates, even though they have no skill, make them pay you a fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 fee, then make them a trainer out in bazikas idaho and collect half the money so at any given time any weekend around the world cities around the world they get a hundred guys paying them two grand do you understand and so they have a yeah. business model but it's based on chicanery and i think fraud because these trainers are just kids students who paid to take their training and then paid them an extra fee they have they don't have to demonstrate any competence i can't do that I'm service-minded, impact-driven. I have to sleep at the end of the night. So I'm not scalable as Ross Jeffries. As Paul Ross, I do plan to scale. I do plan to have people come in, assist me in creating franchising uh, material, and then eventually franchise the method, which I call the subconscious sales advantage. Okay, so that that's the way that you can take it to the next level. So let's say in Correct. five, ten years, that's the way five you Five years. I don't have ten. I don't have ten to be healthy. Well, maybe I do. You know, I take super good care of myself. I have naturopathic doctors I go to for infusions, and I'm a supplement junkie. I have a personal trainer. I, I take really good care of myself. Looking back at that, let's say that 25-year-old that you that was doing the comedy, writing the comedy. Wait, wait. I know. thought you meant the 25-year-old I just finished dating. I'm like, what? How did you know about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is really going to offend. Listen, if you're a female and you're listening to this, uh, if it offends I have a T-shirt that says offended. Find yeah. your safe place, Snowflake. 
but I wanted to dress nicely, so I'm not wearing that T-shirt. So, so, so you'll you'll date uh, you date 25 year olds and 20 year olds or what? Oh, I, I 25 is a little young. I prefer late 20s to late 30s. You know, 25 they don't yet know who they are, but if they're going to chase after me and 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 offer to spoil me, I'm, maybe I'll consider it. I don't know. Do you, do you find basically how NLP and your techniques differ compared to a 20 year old to a 30 year old, 40 year old, 50 year old? They work on everybody, dude. Okay. Sounds like you want a consult with me. Are you single? <laughs> no, no, I, I'm engaged. I'm just really curious about basically the, the dynamic of having dude, a super Listen to me. Come to my seminar on the 17th. It's right here at the Double Tree on Front Street in San Diego in Little Italy. Contact Definitely. me. We'll make you a, a place of honor and you can see how it works. Definitely. What, um, now, okay, but going back to that, your 25 year old self, right? Is there any advice that you would give that person? Oh, God. <laughs> Don't kill yourself. Things are going to change for the better. Oh, wow. Was, was, there, was there a point where oh, you yeah. were Very, every day. Every day. What kept you going? I always knew. This is going to sound corny. I always knew I was destined for something great. I always knew I was destined to make a giant impact in the world. And I have. Look, I've created an entire subculture. There's an entire deviant subculture. I don't mean deviant is filthy. I mean, just different from the norm. There's an entire subculture of men who have these courses and schools on meeting, pickup, seducing women. Without wanting to or knowing it, I created a subculture. But I've always thought, since I was a small child, I was meant to do something great. When I was like three years old, four years old, my mom went to slap me. And my great aunt, Sadie, that would be my grandmother's sister, my mother's aunt, put out her hand and said, Schlugnisht. Schlugnisht in Yiddish, because we're all Jewish, and that was the language of the Jewish ghetto. Schlugnisht means don't hit. Schlugnisht. And then she pointed at me. She said, this one's going to grow up to be a light. And uh, so um, I've always believed it. Even in my worst, lowest moments, I've always believed it and hung on to that. Was it, I mean, because you brought your, your mom before too, how she should give you a positive affirmations. Was that like your childhood really helped you get through those low moments then? Was My it childhood was a very mixed bag of incredible emotion, uh, invalidation, constant invalidation and emotional coldness and occasional very strong validation. Okay. So, uh, and I'm a very emotionally sensitive person. So when you take it a very emotionally, it may not seem to you when I'm Ross Jeffries. Ross is Paul without the emotional sensitivity. One of the things, and he's more grandiose. I sound like you're my therapist now. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, I don't care. Everyone would benefit from doing therapy with the right therapist. Anyway, I think that when you take emotionally sensitive child and you put them in an environment where they experience a lot of invalidation you have a pretty volatile mix in terms of mood and also i don't mind we should share and get out we should not have shaming i'm also diagnosed bipolar too we should not shame mental injury i don't like the term mental illness but mental injury or mental um dysfunction so i have a lot that i manage on a daily basis i cannot 
live my life the way quote normal people do i have to put a lot of energy effort and focus into mood management and mood stability and mood control so i think learning to handle all these things has made me a much more compassionate person for myself and for other people and much more patient if you're not patient with yourself when you have these challenges then you're dead you're going to become an addict or go to jail or kill yourself do you think, I mean, having the, the persona as Ross Jeffries allowed you the ability to to be more be more open, to be more free, to to be out there more? Certainly to be more aggressive and to have the excessive confidence and ego I needed to circumvent all that pain. And just to be completely vulnerable with you, that shame and pain through which I created Ross Jeffries has never fully gone away. It's significantly like 85% gone away. But if I'm in a situation where there are a lot of life stressors, that will come back. And mm. so my skill at emotional regulation gets really challenged from time to time. This is me being completely vulnerable and saying no, we, we ought not to shame people. Look, I've accomplished a lot in my life. I have changed tens of thousands of lives. I've taken picture people in the sales field and, and – just if I told you what I've been able to do, see, I had a comedy writing teacher who said it doesn't have to be true. It has to be believable. My problem is what's true and the results I get just seem unbelievable because the idea that you can up your sales by anywhere from 50 to 300% in 90 days sounds absurd, particularly if you're on the cutting edge and you're already doing really well. But I'm telling you, there's things that I can teach people to do that seem like magic. Arthur C. Clarke, the inventor of the science, the communication satellite, the guy who wrote 2001 A Space Odyssey. You know that movie? Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. He said, any sufficiently developed technology is indistinguishable from magic. So from the outside, what I and my top tier clients can do appears to be magic. It's technology. It's engineering. Well, you know, I appreciate everything you've been able to, to offer to us and, and, and be vulnerable. I mean, I think that's the, the difficult part of a lot of people. A lot of people like to give this false persona of saying, you know, this is who I am, this is who I am, but reality is there's someone totally different. So I appreciate you being so vulnerable to our guests so they can, I mean, relate to you too. You know, I found it just the most effective way to communicate. People want to see authenticity they want to see vulnerability and in fact everyone wants to be vulnerably connected they just want the other person to go first i'm saying no 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 emotional courage emotional courage is extremely attractive so you go first and take the, and deal with what comes your way this yeah go how ahead. do you if you if you're vulnerable this is a question i mean because i i like to be transparent as possible almost to a fault what do you do if, let's say, you you allow yourself to be vulnerable, yet the other side takes advantage of that vulnerability in a, a negative I way? I didn't say, well, I didn't say. Okay. I didn't say have no boundaries. Okay. I have very significantly strong and good boundaries. I just said, I just share what I feel in the moment. If I, I also can understand context. If it's not my place to share it, then I don't. Okay. Makes sense. Totally. Uh, any last words to anyone listening right now? I know in the show notes, we'll have all the information um, uh, for you. The event, I don't know if you listen to the podcast, if you're listening to it on iTunes, Google Play, 
the event already happened. The September 18th event already happened. Yeah, there's other events. I mean, that one that you're talking about with, um, uh, what is it? The, what was it? The, the negotiate, not the negotiator. You're going to partner up with. A, I don't know when that's, that'll happen next okay. January. Okay. So next January. So now that, that one right there, that one, I'm very excited for a lot of these events from this, from talking to you got me very excited. That one right there seems like it'd be very fantastic to hear about. And, and what I'd that. add, what I'd add is I'm still unpacking my process. I'm working with someone who's a genius on how to do calls to action and create structure and how I do that right now to be again, transparent. The only thing I have is if you want to talk to me, email me. You'll find me as, as approachable and, and authentic and human as I am here and we can set up uh, a talk. If I can't, or if you want me to come in and talk to your group, or train your group or any of that, go to speakerpaulross.com, speakerpaulross.com, and I can talk about doing a training either remotely or in person. I prefer in person, but I don't, you know, I'm an old fart. I don't want to travel too far. So <laughs> just talk to me about it. Go to speakerpaulross.com or tell it. Send me, uh, send me an email, paul at speakerpaulross.com. I always respond to all my emails. And if you're a guy out there, who really is struggling and it's you're hearing this before September 17th, 18th and 19th. Uh, I'll email, email me and I'll give you the details for that seminar. <laughs> if not, <laughs> if not, sorry, you missed it. We're not going to do another one. Uh, thank you, Paul, for being here. Everyone, please subscribe. My, my pleasure. <laughs> it's probably the oddest interview you've had in a long time. No, it, it was good. We got, we got to the, the nitty gritty. I mean, the, the, just the idea that you found your, I guess, your true calling, your true passion, I mean, in your late, late 20s. I mean, a lot of people that are listening, I mean, I've had people in their early 20s, mid 20s that are like, what am I doing in my life? And for you, you found that you took that class, uh, NLP, you learned about it. And it basically, it looks like it changed the way you look at the world, changed the way you look at everything. Fell in love with it. And it matched my love of language that I've always had. It took my love of language and went, wait, you can do a lot more than love it. You can learn it and use it in a structured way yeah be, be okay if you're if you're listening right now and you're still unsure of what you're doing with your life i mean be open to the ideas i mean follow someone listen to podcasts maybe even take basically paul ross's class and, and see what what vibes with you and makes you have that feeling have that love so thank you again paul please subscribe please share and follow paul ross have a great one guys Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.